My dad died. I miss my friends because of... I don't know how to tell my friends that. I want to help my friends. I don't know how. The pandemic has left me feeling very lonely. How can I best support students in my class? The morning meeting is meant to be a place to let you know that you are not alone. We can get through this together. So join us. Listen, learn, share your stories. This is the morning meeting. Today we are talking to Janet Sarkos. Janet is the executive director of Caring Contact. It's a volunteer staffed caring and crisis hotline and listening community. They provide active listening support and best-in-class education to central and northern New Jersey. They listen to people who are dealing with mental health issues, major life transitions, and suicidal thoughts and plans, responding to over 13,000 callers every year. We're so grateful to have Janet on the Morning Meeting podcast today. So Janet, thank you so much for coming on the Morning Meeting podcast. You're so welcome. I'm excited to talk to you today. Thanks. I've, you know, we've known each other a long time, but I've always admired all the work that you are doing over at Caring Contact. Do you want to just tell everybody a little bit about Caring Contact before we get started? Yes, I would love to. I always get excited about an opportunity to do that. Mm -hmm. Um, So Caring Contact is a nonprofit organization um, located in Westfield, New Jersey. Um, It is an organization that's been around for 45 years, uh, but a lot of people don't know about it. So one of my jobs is obviously to talk about it. Um, We answer uh, a hotline, a caring and crisis hotline at Caring Contact. Mm -hmm. And it's actually two different hotlines that we answer. One is uh, a non-emergency line where people can call and talk really about anything that they want to talk about. Um, it's typically um, not urgent, um, but it's important. And so it can be things like loneliness and mental illness, physical illness. It could be grieving. It could be a relationship breakup. It could be a job loss. It could be just, it, it runs the gamut really of everything that you can think of that somebody might need emotional support. Um, so we answer that line. We also answer the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline for five counties in our surrounding area. So that's a pretty big, a pretty big space. And, and um, the lifeline, a lot of people don't realize it's that one number. It's a national network of about 160 or so centers. And we all, um, we all help each other. So we have primary responders like us for our area, but if we can't answer a call, another another um, New Jersey hotline would answer it. So every call gets answered on that line. Okay. Um, but anyway, that's essentially what we do. We so that that line tends to be more emergency calls, people who are thinking about suicide or people who are just really in a bad spot. So okay. that's what we do at Caring Contact. And um, you can give me the numbers, and I'll put them in our show notes as well, so people have access to that also. Okay. All right. Fantastic. Do you want um, me to tell you those right now verbally? Sure. People might want them right now. Okay. So the um, the non-emergency line is 908-232-2880. And the uh, lifeline, the crisis line is 800-273-8255. Got it. Thank you. 
So, you know, I've been hearing a lot about uh, increase in suicide since the pandemic started. I don't know if there's actual numbers on that yet, but um, I don't know if you've noticed an increase in calls to the hotlines. So um, I don't think there are official numbers on that right now. I think a lot of people are concerned about that um, okay. for very good reason. Um, but I, I, there aren't, uh, I don't believe there are official numbers on that yet. We're typically a good year behind um, with the numbers coming out of the CDC. Um, what we're experiencing, though, on the hotline is, yes, we've absolutely had an increase in calls. Um, and, um, you know, we, we are very concerned. People, I wouldn't say that there's an increase in the percentage of people who are talking about suicide. It has stayed fairly steady for us. Um, this year as, you know, compared to last year, but we have more calls and it's, it's people talking about all kinds of things that really are related to the coronavirus. Um, okay. So it, it, it could be suicide, but it could also be, you know, financial concerns, lots and lots of relationship concerns for, you know, reasons that I'm sure you can imagine. Mm -hmm. um, so it's really, it's a broad, it's a broad spectrum of things. It's not necessarily suicide, but it's people who are suffering emotionally. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, you know, just anecdotally, I know of lots of people that are suffering uh, because of the virus. So I have to assume yeah. that the numbers yeah. are increasing right now. Yeah. And what I, what I hear when I'm on the phone with people is that, um, you know, Anything that you may have been dealing with before is now intensified by, by, you know, the circumstances that we're in. So if you were sort of, you know, just keeping your head above water with your mental illness or your financial situation, or if your relationship was a little rocky and you were working on it, this has just put a layer on top of everything that, that we were all dealing with before and just made it that much harder. So mm -hmm. I, I hear that over and over again. I guess also I worry about the isolation. I mean, for several reasons, obviously being isolated is going to cause some of these symptoms, um, but also there's just less people that have eyes on people, right? Yeah. So that's a yes and no. Um, okay. Interestingly, um, we're, there are plenty of people who live alone and so right. they are alone and absolutely yes. I worry about those people. Um, but interestingly, I do think that because people are home with their families or roommates in a lot of situations, mm -hmm. in a way, there are more eyes on people. And that okay. is actually, I think, serving as a protective factor. Um, interesting. So, yeah, that's kind of an interesting little twist. Yeah, I guess you're not home alone as often because uh, people exactly. are in the house with you but you're not seeing necessarily exactly. as many people. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So hmm. Yeah, there's a lot of those little subtleties where you're like, "Oh, okay, I didn't think of it that way." But yeah. Yeah. Um, well, I'm also just thinking though, like if there's somebody that lives in a family, right, who potentially was at risk for suicide, um when you're out and about and you go to school and you have a job and you have a family and, you know, all of these different places, hopefully the, the hope is that someone in, in that circle is going to notice if you're struggling. But when you're only at home, let's say, if your job's online or you lost your job or, you know, and you're not getting out as much, there's less people that might um, 
notice some signs. So yeah. I'm just wondering about yeah. what are some of the signs that people should be looking for? So I love talking about this because one of the things that we know for sure is that every single person can be part of looking out for other people in terms of um, protecting against suicide. Mm-hmm. And and so I, I do hope that everyone will be educated about this topic because um, regular everyday people can make a difference just by paying attention and then being courageous and getting involved. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, it's, it's interesting when you talk about the signs, um, we go to a lot of different schools and community organizations and you put a group of kids in front of me and at, we ask them, you know, what do you think the signs are that somebody might be struggling? The hands shoot up they can come up with a pretty comprehensive list on their own. And so Mm -hmm. what I like to say to people is you already know, you already know, like listen to the the words that people say and take them seriously. Mm -hmm. Um, Like I'm, I'm exhausted. I don't want to do this anymore. You know, those kinds of euphemisms can mean that somebody is really struggling. Watch, um, watch the behavior patterns. Are they eating too little, eating too much, sleeping too little, sleeping too much, um, has their clothing changed? Has their hygiene changed? Um, are they making threats? Are they, you know, there's, there's all those kinds of things that if you really sit down and think about what are, what are the signs that somebody might be struggling, you know what those are. Um, mm-hmm. I, I like to add to that list and say, um, one of the things that people don't realize is that situations can come up that can really rock the world of somebody who is otherwise really in okay shape. So, Mm -hmm. you know, you're so familiar with this when it comes to like grief is such a great example of this. Um, If somebody is sailing along and doing kind of okay in their life, and then they lose the person who's most important to them, that could be a factor that, that might get somebody thinking about not wanting to be here anymore. thinking about suicide. Um, so it, it, it could be a kid who is um, horribly affected by a divorce. It could be um, the loss of a job. It could be the loss of a dream. Like there, there are circumstances yeah. that have such a profound effect on an otherwise pretty mentally healthy person. And mm-hmm. so I would say add to the list of things that you already know, you know, like giving away possessions, things like that. We all kind of have a sense of those. But pay attention, pay extra attention to people who are struggling through a difficult situation. Mm-hmm. Um, ask them if they're okay. Notice if things are 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 changing for them. And and what I also like to say is, um, any one thing in isolation might not mean that somebody's going to think about suicide. But put the puzzle pieces together. You know, they're not showing up and doing their favorite activity anymore. They are posting some you know, kind of concerning words on their social media. Um, I don't know. They're, they're in their room all the time, all of a sudden, you know, put, put the puzzle pieces together, um, pay attention. And, and so those are the signs that we're looking for. Right. I think it's a really good point to say that, you know, you almost don't want to give a definitive list because there, you would miss something. There's not anyone that, you know, okay, so I saw these five things, I could check them off. So that means that they're suicidal because it really is more about, you know, subtle changes that some people might experience. It's not like, oh, I found a note, I better go make sure that, 
they're not actually trying to kill themselves. Like it doesn't have to be right. so obvious. So what I, what I like to say to people is um, you don't have to know for certain that somebody is thinking about suicide. It's really more about what is your intuition? What is, what is your gut telling you? Do you think possibly they're thinking about it? Um, you don't have to be right. If you think that maybe that's the case, mm-hmm. then you can take the next step, step. And the next step is just ask them and ask them gently, ask them non-judgmentally, show them and tell them that you are concerned and tell them why you're concerned. You know, um, Hey, I've just, I've noticed that you just haven't been coming to soccer practice anymore. And I know how much you love it. Are you okay? I'm really worried about you. You know, you can, you can say it in that way. You can start the conversation gently. Um, if you're really concerned about suicide, you can say, Hey, you know, I know that you lost your mom a couple of weeks ago and I'm just, I'm seeing that you're just, you know, you're not yourself. And I know how hard this is. Sometimes when people are in that kind of a situation, they think about suicide. Is that something you're thinking about? I'm really worried. You know, mm-hmm. you say it gently, but you say it correctly and clearly and, and, and it's, it's okay to do that. Right. Right. I've often heard people say that, um, it's good to actually say, are you thinking about killing yourself? Um, because yeah. that's much more direct than like, are it's, you thinking about hurting yourself? Yeah. Well, what we say is, you know, think about what it means when you say, are you thinking about hurting yourself? Um, somebody who's thinking about suicide might be thinking, no, I've been hurting all along. I'm thinking about finally not hurting myself. Yep. That's what suicide's going to be. Finally mm-hmm. not hurting anymore. So it's not clear what you're asking them. Um, we, we do want people to be clear and direct. You can be gentle about it, but, but, and, it, and it's uncomfortable. I absolutely understand that it's uncomfortable, but we right. are asking you to say the words clearly directly, um, and non-judgmentally, not, you know, listen, listen to the way I say this. Um, you're not thinking about suicide, are you? You know, that's a judgmental statement. You're Mm -hmm. begging them to say no, right? Mm -hmm. So you don't want to say it in a judgmental way. You just say, I'm really worried. Are you thinking about suicide? And, And what you're saying when you ask it in that way is I'm ready for the answer and I'm here for you if the answer is yes. Yeah. And I get why somebody would want to say it like that. Like, you're not thinking about suicide, are you? Because it's the last thing we want them to be thinking about. Obviously, if you're asking, it's because you care about them so deeply and you don't want them to be thinking about it. But you also want to communicate to them that they can share this information with you. So if you say it like that, exactly, they get it that you don't want them to be. So they're going to give you what you want. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. The other thing I think it's important to say that, um, you know, asking about suicide does not plant the idea in someone's head to try to kill themselves. It actually lets them know that you are a safe person to talk to about it. Yes, there's, there is uh, a lot of research on that topic mm-hmm. and experts agree that that is exactly correct. There, you yeah. are not going to plant that in somebody's mind. Um, by asking, you're going to show them that you care. You're sh- you're showing them that you can handle the answer, no matter what it is. Yep. Um, and you know, I always think about like pretty much most people 
will not feel comfortable going to their loved ones and saying, hey, can I talk to you? I've been thinking about suicide lately. It just That's just not going to happen. There's a lot right. of stigma on this topic. No mm-hmm. one feels courageous enough to just say it outright. I mean, I shouldn't say no one, but right. most mostly no one will, will say that to someone that they love. Um, and so it's our obligation to ask the question and open up the conversation because what we also know is that the conversation can help keep people safe in those terribly intense and emotional moments when they are thinking about suicide. It can absolutely keep them safe to open up a conversation about it. You know, I've had so many conversations with people where they say, I don't want to ask because I wouldn't know what to do. I'm not a therapist. I'm not a social worker. So I don't want to be the one to ask them. What do you say to those people? Uh, I get it. It's hard. It's a very, very hard conversation. Um, And so um, what I want to offer those people is uh, the lifeline, um, the phone number that I gave at the beginning, that 800-273-8255 number. Um, That is a, a phone number that you can call if you're worried about somebody else. Um, It doesn't have to be the person who's thinking about suicide. It can be the person who is trying to help somebody. I was on the lifeline last night um, in the evening, and I had three phone calls from people who were worried about other people, and they just needed to talk it out and figure out their strategy for what to do next. Hmm. Um, So we, we get a lot of calls like that, and those are such important calls. You don't have to be the person who fixes this. Yep. Um, you, you can't be the person who fixes this. It's too complicated. It's too overwhelming. It's mm-hmm. a long-term sort of care prospect that that, that person is going to be going into. Um, but if you ask the question, um, you know, call the lifeline. Um, you can call by yourself. You can call, you can say to that person, hey, I I want to help you. I don't know how to help you, but I'm here for you. Would you be willing to call the lifeline together? Mm-hmm. And a lot of people do that. They, you know, put it on speakerphone and they dial the number together. Um, so there's, you know, lean on us. Please lean on us if you find yourself in that situation. Or if you think you might want to ask the question, but if you're not sure that you should or you can, mm-hmm. give us a call. We'll talk that through with you and we'll help you figure out exactly what to do in your unique situation. Because this is sensitive. There, there are a lot of unique situations and, um, and that's what the, the people on the lifeline can help you with. So I just want to clarify about the lifeline. So um, if they call the local number that you gave for New Jersey, can anybody call that number even if they're not in New Jersey? Anybody can call either number, yes. Okay. Absolutely. Okay. Um, just in the United States or outside of the United States as well? Um, you know, I think... The lifeline is definitely just in the United States. I mean, okay. I think that, you know, I have, I don't think, oh, I shouldn't say, that. I do think we've gotten calls on the hotline from people who used to live in New Jersey and knew our number mm-hmm. and then mm-hmm. moved away and called us from, you know, different parts sure. of the world. But yeah, typically, okay. it's, you know, we are, we are people who are located in New Jersey. And so right. um, we can, you know, provide really, really our best service to local people. But I've handed that number out to people from my family in Michigan, my friends in California and Texas. So, yes, anybody can call. Absolutely. I'm just thinking, I know we have listeners from all over the world, so I just want them to 
know where that they where they can call. Well, let me just say this to your listeners from um, places outside the United States. Mm-hmm. There's an organization called the International Council for Helplines. That mm-hmm. is our accrediting agency, and they they um, are sort of the umbrella organization for crisis helplines all over the world. And so if you go to the website for the International mm-hmm. Council for Helplines, and you're in a country that isn't the United States, that it's very likely you will find uh, the helpline that's close to you. Like I know the Samaritans are in Great Britain, and I know there's a very strong presence in um, the Philippines and in Australia. There, there are helplines all over the world. Yeah. Um, and so absolutely, go, go to the International Council for Helplines website and you can find that. Thank you. This episode is brought to you by Inner Harbor, providing grief support to students and those that support them. Find us at www.inner-harbor.org. So now I'm just wondering, so, you know, we got to the ask, right, where people are going to ask someone if they're concerned about them, if they're thinking about hurting themselves or killing themselves. And if that person says, actually, yes, I have thought about it, what's the next step? So they can call the hotline, but how do they get to even there? Like, do they say, oh, wait, okay, yes, okay, I'm going to call the hotline right now? Or are there other things that they should be asking them to, you know, get more information or provide more support to, you know, their friend or family member? So um, it's, incredibly unique to every single situation. And so there isn't really necessarily one path that you can take. Um, What I would encourage somebody who feels like they're in a place personally where they can do that, I would say, just say, I'm here to listen. What's going on? Mm -hmm. And really listen. Take the time. Like, don't, I would say don't ask somebody if they're thinking about suicide if you can't take a deep breath and spend some time on this because this is a very big thing. Um, Make sure that if you're going to ask somebody, you're in a place, you're at a time where you can take a minute because this is is a big deal. Um, If you feel strong enough, it's absolutely fine to just say, "I, I wish I knew how to take care of you. I don't. But what I can tell you is that I'm here to listen. Mm-hmm. Do you want to talk? To, do you feel comfortable talking to me about what's going on for you? And just open up the conversation and really listen to what that person has to say. Don't try to talk them out of it. Don't try to tell them what to do or fix them or put the you know throw some sunshine on top of it. Really listen to what they are dealing with. And mm. I'm telling you, just that is so incredibly healing. I just, I, I get emotional when I think about it because I've had one conversation after another in my years on the hotline where, where people, after being able to share their story with somebody who's willing to listen to it, say, oh, oh my gosh, I feel so much better. I just, I, nobody understands. Thank you for listening to me. I feel like I can go to work now. Mm-hmm. I feel like I can go make dinner for my kids now. Um, it's just, it, it, it's not a fix. It doesn't make everything go away, but what we're asking or trying to do is help just reduce the level of intensity of those feelings in that moment 
to help somebody stay safe just in that moment. I think that's such an important point because so many of us want to remind the person of all of the good things that are going on in their life or that they've got going for them. But, you know, that's not necessarily going to make them feel validated. Right. Right. Yeah. You don't want to, you don't, but what about, but what about, Mm -hmm. that's not what this conversation is. Talk to me about what's going on. Wow. That sounds so difficult. I'm, I'm not surprised that you're hurting so much. I'm so sorry. It sounds so hard. You know, it's just hearing them really understanding their feelings, listening for those feelings that they're going through and and just really recognizing them. At what point does, yeah, sometimes I just, you know, wish that I wasn't here, turn into a, okay, we need to make sure that you're safe because I'm not sure if you actually are safe. So every single conversation doesn't have to end up at, you know, the emergency room. Most conversations don't need to end up at the emergency room, believe it or not. Um, Mm -hmm. I know that sounds um, counterintuitive in a way because suicide is so serious and it's such an important um, thing to get people the help that they need. But you'd be surprised to understand that a lot of people think about suicide um, for, for a long time. Like it could be years or months or weeks, like for that thought is in their mind, but they're not necessarily going to act on it. And this is why a conversation can be so important. If we can reduce the force of those feelings by helping that person feel understood, they may never get to the point where they're going to act on it. Mm -hmm. So in this conversation that we're talking about, many times I'll say, okay, you know, thank you for trusting me and telling me that you are thinking about suicide. Um, Talk to me about that. Like, are you feeling like you just don't want to be here, but, but it's sort of like a, a kind of in the background passive feeling, or are you feeling like this is just really something you can't stop thinking about to the point where you've made a plan, you know, mm-hmm. kind of tell me where you are with this. And people will be honest with you about it. You know, they, it, if you ask them in a way that's not hysterical or judgmental, they'll say, you know, some, many people will say, I, I mean, I'm not going to do it. I, I don't, I'm too scared to do it, or it's against my religion. I'm not going to do it, or I don't want to hurt my friend or my family or whatever their reasons are. They might say, no, I'm not going to do it, but I think about it. I just Mm -hmm. wish I just didn't have to deal with this anymore. That's one type of conversation. Um, The other kind of conversation is, no, I'm doing it. I've thought about it. I've bought a rope. It's hanging in my closet right now. And as soon as you leave, I'm going to go do it. That's a very different kind of conversation. And that's Mm -hmm. the one where medical intervention is going to be needed. So what about that first conversation where they say, like, I've been thinking about it, but, you know, yeah, I'm too scared or, um, you know, I I don't want to hurt my, you know, my friends or my family. What's the next step for that, you know, for for the listener, for the person who's listening to them and trying to be supportive of them? You know, should they just say, okay, good. Well, I'm glad we had this talk. Well, I think that um, number one, take them very seriously. Mm-hmm. They're not just looking for attention. They're hurting. And so um, I would say at a minimum, you know, thank you for telling me. Um, I am here for you. Let's keep talking about this. Let's talk about it. You know, I'm going to keep checking in with you if that's okay, because this is really serious. 
Um, I can, t- I can see how much you're hurting. I want to be here for you. Let's talk about what else you feel like you need, you know, mm-hmm. and if I can help you with that, you know, have you talked to your doctor about that or have you talked to your husband about it or have you talked to your mom and dad? You know, I, mm-hmm. I had a conversation with somebody last night on the lifeline who was 14 years old and worried about her friend who was also 14. So that was a different thing. Like we needed to figure out how to get a, an adult involved. And so yep. we worked out a plan for that. So it depends on the situation, but trying to sort of build a group of support for that person, making sure you're not the only one who's taking that on. Um, Again, if if you're in that situation, this is hard for somebody who's not used to it. Give us a call at the Lifeline, and we will put a, a plan together with you, and and you know make sure that that person has enough resources available to them. Excellent. I also just wonder, you know, um, I think there's a message out there that we can all help prevent suicide, but I also worry about that message a little bit because. When someone does die by suicide, you know, that sort of sends a message that we could have done something to stop it. And, you know, the guilt that comes with those feelings, that's real as well. Yeah. And what do you think about oh my that? Gosh. About, you know, suicide prevention in general. Are there always signs? Is it always preventable? Um, there are not always signs and it's not always preventable. Um, and that's, that's the sad truth of it. Um, you know, I, I just spoke with somebody whose husband died by suicide. I, I spoke to her yesterday and he, he died a while ago, but you know, she said, I just, it, it, it never crossed my mind that that would be something that would, he would think of. He, he didn't have any of the signs. He didn't say any of the things. Um, I had no idea. And I wish I had known um, that happens. That absolutely happens. Um, so I, I, definitely want to put that message out there that we don't always know. Um, you know, sometimes people are determined to die. I, I think that the people who put signs and signals out are the ones who are looking for help. And so those are the people, you know, that we are going to try to notice and pay attention to. Um, mm-hmm. Unfortunately, and it's so incredibly sad, sometimes there are people who are just determined and we don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, and and so it's it's a horrible horrible feeling, but that's unfortunately a, sometimes a reality. And I also think that some people put out signs, but we're not, you know, as general public, we're not always educated about what those signs are. Which is why, you know, I'm doing this podcast today because so many people will say, "I didn't realize that that was a sign." You know, and now that the person died, I've been doing my research and trying to learn more about suicide. And I wish I knew this in advance. Um, And it's so important. You know, there's so much good resources out there to learn about suicide and how to prevent it when possible. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So, so, you know, I, this is, this is a very subtle thing. Mm -hmm. Um, We can't always intervene. We can't always be there. We won't always notice. But if we can be sensitive to these things that we've been talking about today, and then on top of that sensitivity, it takes a lot of courage to, to do the things that um, I'm talking about. It's it's hard. And I get that not everybody is ready to do that. Um, mm-hmm. But 
you know, that's where you can lean on other resources, you know, talk to somebody in your circle, like, Hey, I'm worried about this person. I feel like something needs to be done. I just don't feel like I'm in a place where I can be that person. Can you help me, you know, reach out to somebody else, get somebody to help you. Um, and I know I keep saying it, but give us a call and we'll try Mm -hmm. to help. So if you, if you feel like you, like you're not sure, or if you can't be the one to ask, I get that. It's okay. You don't have to be the one to ask, but you know, pass it to somebody else. Pass it to us if you if you don't feel like you can be the one. Are there any other resources that you think like if they don't want to make a phone call? If is there good websites? Any good you know reading materials that people can read about you know learning how to prevent suicide? I really like the NAMI website. I mean, they have a lot of local chapters of NAMI. That's mm-hmm. N A M I. Um, I think it's the National Association of Mental Illness. Mm-hmm. Um, I just know that here locally where I am, the NAMI website is fantastic. Um, they have a lot of resources. Uh, um, you know, if you if you kind of start poking around, I know, again, like I'm familiar with the Mental Health, Mental Health Association in New Jersey. They've got some resources. But I think really nationally, NAMI is a great place to start. They are. So I also, I always like to ask my guests, um, what are you doing? Um, and I don't know. I always say, I used to say, what are you doing? Now I try to say, are you doing anything to take good care of yourself? And if you are, <laughs> what are some of the things that you are doing? Or not, you know, things that, you're, that are yeah. not so good for you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, this, I know this isn't like, this isn't for everybody, but we're that cliche family that got a puppy. <laughs> uh-huh. And I am telling you, this this dog has saved us as a family. <laughs> like we... Uh, there's nothing like a pet um, to really make you feel good. And so for me, um, spending time with my pet has been just so fantastic. Um, It's so simple, but it's, you know, I have to walk him multiple times a day. That gets me outside and taking care of him. That's just me. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, and I, I try with, with the organization that I'm in charge of, you know, professionally, I just try really hard to make sure that, my people know that they should take care of themselves first. Um, so, so I practice that myself. Like if I'm having a rough day, I take time away from my work and I do it at another time. And, and, um, and so I'm really practicing that for myself. And, and I know that my staff is also practicing the same. So, so that's what I'm doing. <laughs> I'm okay. I'm taking pretty good care of myself. Good. That's why I asked because you're right. There's thank you. you know, for you that. it might be a dog, but um, for everybody it might be something different. So I'm trying to you know put out as many ideas out there into the world as possible. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Is there anything else that you wanted people to know about today, or that we didn't cover that you thought we should? Um, I guess what I would say is if anybody, if this resonates with anybody, like if they. If they are listening to me talk about our organization and are interested in us, they can go to our website, check us out. We're caringcontact.org. Um, we have volunteer opportunities and, um, you know, we, we rely on our volunteers to answer the phone. Mm-hmm. Um, our volunteers are really, really well trained. It's a big commitment, so it's not for everybody. It takes, you know, um, 
we put we put people through 72 hours of training to be able to pick up their first phone call. And it's a lot, but it's the most amazing and rewarding experience if you do have the time for that. And if you do feel like you're in a place, it's not for everybody all the time, but if you feel like you're in a place in your life where you want to give back and take care of other people and have the time and ability to do this, I would encourage people to to check us out for that because we're always looking for volunteers. Um, we're about to start our, our next training class, our first virtual training class, which we're really excited about. We're starting that next week, um, but we're taking applications and recruiting for our spring class now. So, um, so definitely check us out if you're interested. Perfect. If people want to reach out to you directly, is there a way for them to do that? Yeah, our office phone number is on the website, so they can absolutely call us and I will talk to anybody. We, I actually, you know, do this kind of conversation that you and I are having uh, um, all the time. I, you know, obviously right now um, it's a little bit slower, but we go into schools, we go to faith organizations, we go to police departments, we go um, all over the place. I, I did a presentation to TSA agents and Homeland Security people. Um, we talk about this topic at organizations all the time. And so if anybody's interested in having me come and talk to their specific group, either virtually right now or in person later when, when things open up a little bit, um, I'm so happy to do that. So absolutely give us a call if you're interested in that. Thank you. Thank you so much for spending time with us today. I think that information is oh very gosh, valuable. <laughs> Thank you, Mandy. It was really nice talking with you. Thank you to Janet for being our guest today and to Stephen Bluestein for audio production. Next week, we'll be talking to Maria Boys, a 10-year breast cancer survivor, about what it was like to have children both at home and away at college when she was diagnosed. That's all for today. Good morning to all of you.